1: Hello, and welcome to New Books in Education. I'm Trevor Matea, one of your hosts on the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Nicholson Baker about his book, Substitute, Going to School with a Thousand Kids. Nicholson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm wondering if we can start the interview by having you tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, Well, I'm a writer. I have written professionally since I was, uh, I guess I... Uh, about 30 years old um i've written 16 books some novels some non-fiction a, a book about the beginnings of the second world war a book about the history of libraries some novels that are sort of modernist uh i don't even know how to say it but anyway i write books i read books and I get this, these hankerings sometimes to find out what's going on in parts of the world. And, um, I have, my wife and I watched both of our kids go to main schools and public schools and they had a pretty good time, a very good time sometimes. And, um, we wanted to know what life was actually like for kids. We had to police them and force them to do homework. And there was a lot of homework and what is that all about? And we just had thoughts as parents. Um, I went to uh an alternative high school as a kid, an alternative very, very permissive school and didn't have much much that I needed to do. So all those things were sort of bouncing around in my head. That's what led that background
1: is what led me to write this book, substitute. And you do start the book by recounting some of those experiences from your own formal education before you became a substitute for a month and and wrote this memoir from that time. I'm wondering if you could share some of those experiences you had as a kid and how you think they informed your perspective both before and during your project.
0: Sure. Well, I I mean, obviously when you're a little kid, you don't, you're not taking notes for some future nonfiction book you're going to write, but I was a, I was a, um, I was an elementary student in the 60s, and there was very, very minimal homework. And school was, for me, was kind of fun. Um, I mean, there was the occasional unhappiness, I guess, but the work was not difficult, and I'm not to say that I was some sort of precocious person. The work simply wasn't there. There wasn't a lot of homework. And in middle school also. And then in high school, um, the the School Without Walls, which is a public school in Rochester, New York, um, was founded in, in, in I think it was 1971. And I was part of the first class of 125 students who were there, or the first group. We were chosen by lottery. And it was fascinating because there were really, it was very, very free. Um, it, there was, there was, you had to write up a proposal you had to say what you were interested in doing but beyond that you every student had a lot of free time we were all given bus tokens um which we were supposed to use to go around because it's the school without walls the city is our school you know um and so we had i had a math class in an attic of a church and i had a biology class in a in a community college and stuff like that it I was really uh, an amazing uh, level of trust that they gave us. And at the time, I was sort of rebellious, and I thought, "I want to be taught stuff. I want to be. I want to be. I want to go to a class where I have have assignments, you know, where there's tests and where there's a class ranking and valedictorians. You know, I kind of yearned for all that. Lockers. Um, there was none of that. It was just what you want to learn will have to come from yourself and, um, and now I'm very, very grateful for that experience because it was, it was really an interesting thing to have in the back of my mind when I taught and had to teach as a substitute teacher in a quote, normal American high school.
1: And you also mentioned uh, your experiences as a parent. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to the similarities and differences being an adult, who's dealing with schools maybe from the outside versus one who's working in the schools every day?
0: Well, I think real honest to God teachers, people who have gone and gotten a credential and everything have an entirely different experience than I I did. I am an interloper. I'm a person who knows fundamentally knows very little. I don't know the kids names. I don't know the, uh, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know how the school works as a substitute teacher. Um, and that, which is not so far away from what it's like as a, um, as a parent actually is your kids are your one point of contact with this class. So the mm-hmm. class becomes this sort of fascinating shadowy presence. And you, you hear about certain kids um, because your own children mention them by name. But what I think is missing and what I think, what I was trying to supply is, is not the professional teacher's perspective, which is very valuable, obviously, um, and, and not the educational theorist's perspective. I am trying to supply the perspective of the kids on the ground. And that, being a substitute teacher, in a way, because I'm below, hierarchically below the students, mm-hmm. I'm below the custodian. As a substitute teacher, I am on the, I am at the bottom. There is something valuable about that, about being able to look around and say, what is going on? What are these kids actually saying? What of all the stuff they're being taught? What are they actually remembering? You know, what three to five percent of what is being taught will they ever recall later in life? You know, so that was part of what it, the goal was to create a kind of core sample of American education based on one uh, relatively poor school district in Maine um, and and sort of convey what life is like for kids in all these different age groups and classes and how long their day is.
1: I'm wondering if you could Speak a little bit to your takeaways from observing and interacting with these students. Um, what did you notice that that interested you?
0: Well, I first want to say that um, that it is useful to 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 have takeaways, but that what I, I write novels as well as nonfiction, and what a novel gives you. Is a voyage through something, and you know let's say it's uh mm-hmm. let's say it's a, a a novel set on an offshore oil rig or something, and you know you learn you, you could say in the end well it's the fact is that life is very difficult on an offshore oil rig and it's uh you know you get dirty and those are the takeaways, but what the book is offering is the immersive experience of being on the oil rig. Goal in writing this book was to give parents, I, and I, I honestly think that uh, give parents and teachers an immersive feeling of what it was like that day. Even teachers who are professionally doing this every day, they may be um, a fifth grade teacher or an 11th grade reading, uh, language arts teacher. They don't know what it's like for the other classes. I am giving I am giving, I hope, everybody something that they need to chew on and think about um, if they want to come up with uh, recommendations and further policy things. So my takeaway is uh, it's very basic. It's very simple. It is that, that the day is long. And that students are brilliant and difficult and funny and strange and they do completely unexpected things. Because each one of them is figuring out a a unique, a personal way to guide themselves through the slalom course of their days, their Mondays through Fridays. And that is a very difficult and amazing thing that they have to do. And the And the really kind of incredible thing that feels like something that you, you that is more than just a, a fact the fact that students have no choice that they have to go to school is something that kept coming back to me I would say you know how do you get through this? Well, I remember asking one kid how do you get through this because he was a smart kid he was dejected he was in I think 10th uh, grade maybe And he looked up at me, pulled out one earbud, and he said, music. You know, and that just so just having some pieces of knowledge of how do kids figure out their path through this, these institutions. And I would say the majority of them, especially in high school, are not having fun and they are not engaged. And so they the 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 fact that they have no choice is something that they really that really makes them unhappy, so what where is the source of their unhappiness? How can we fix this? How can we create more surprise and delight and um uh, i don't know practical knowledge that kids can come up with that will make their lives easier i think I think we need to change things radically. I think the day has to be shorter. The day has to start later and has to be shorter. All this stuff about rigor and grit is all very well. And, of course, we value rigor and grit in some ways. But to a kid who's 18 assignments behind and who is in a certain state of despair to the point where they've become a permanent jokester, all that stuff means absolutely nothing. So listen to what that kid is doing. Pay attention to what those kids are. Pay attention to how a class works as an ecosystem. And then after you've done that, either by reading this book, which I'm not saying it's a great book, but it is a book that's doing something different than other education books, either do that or work as a substitute teacher yourself or a real teacher and then talk about should do something with education the policymakers need to know how difficult it is to get across some of the curricular innovations that they 're coming up with.
1: What kinds of responses have you heard from teachers and other people interested in educational policy? Are they responding in the way that uh, you might expect
0: well one th- one really um, great thing is that teachers have been coming to the readings and the panel discussions and things that I've been giving as part of this tour that I'm going on. And, and, um, so I say, how many, how many teachers are in the audience? And sometimes it's a third of the audience are teachers and they, so they're curious about me and they want to know if I am, you know, a critical voice or a friendly voice mm-hmm. or what. Um, and I keep um, and some of them, uh, uh, because of, of, of a piece I wrote in the New York Times Magazine section, which was not in the book at all, um, but is, but is, uh, a more polemical piece. This is more of a, this is what happened, listen to these kids talk kind of book. But the piece in the New York Times Magazine was more, um, my God, this is a, this is, there's a lot of tedium here. And the piece was called Fortress of Tedium. Um, I think they want to know that I I um, I am not a h- a hostile person, and I'm not. I really, I, first of all, I think teachers should be paid more. There's no question. What one of the things that I felt was that the days were really exhausting. They're very exhausting for substitute teachers in in a different way because substitutes don't know. What they're doing and so they're kind of flailing so there's a lot of inefficient energy loss throughout the day but for real teachers they are there Monday through Friday and that is a different kind of rhythm I was I taught substituted for a total of 28 days over a whole semester so I had you know if I had a really bad day and I thought this is the worst day of my life I could then recover mm-hmm. so what their reaction is are you kidding this guy some sometimes the reaction is this guy has the temerity to say based on twenty eight days in the classroom to come up with a book and it, it that isn't the intent of the book is to say uh, i'm I am going to offer solutions based on twenty eight days I am saying yes it's twenty eight days even if it were three days or five days, what I've done is record what actually happened and it's useful I think not just for parents and and kids themselves to see what happens in a class but it's useful for teachers to see how they the kind of words that they say the way they keep order in a class it's useful to, for them to see what that looks like on the page it's quite surprising how much time in even a very well-run class how much time huge percentage of time is kept is is spent scolding people who are acting up in some ways i'm not talking about in my classes because obviously a substitute there's always chaos but in the real classes taught by seasoned teachers it's an enormous percentage of time that is spent scolding kids who are wigging out zoning out not caught up it's just an incredible amount of time so if it, one of the useful things I hoped in the book was come to a chapter. Let's say you're a sixth grade teacher. You read this chapter about sixth grade and you think, wow, that is that is a true picture of my life. Or that is not a true picture of my life. I'm hoping anybody, any teacher, whether or not they agree with me, when I have some sort of somewhat subversive, radical, I suppose, ideas about shortening the day, But any teacher would read this book, and I'm hoping, I think, I genuinely think, and and get things from it, whether or not you agreed with my opinions about what should happen with education.
1: And I think that there are many teachers who don't know a lot about what it's like to be a substitute. They interact very little with the people who take over their classroom on those days when they're out. And so I'm wondering if we can talk about that at least briefly. Um, did you receive any kind of training or feedback during your time as a sub?
0: Well, there was a training. So the requirements are the high school diploma and the, and the criminal record. There can be no criminal record. Um, and, but the, I did take a six-evening training class, which was very helpful, actually, and some of the principals and and uh, guidance counselors were very inspiring and 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 had lots of wisdom to impart. Um, Use humor, not the hammer, was one thing I remembered a principal saying. Uh, an elementary school principal, really wonderful woman. Um, so the training was actually pretty good, and and generally, you know, you get the call at five five thirty in the morning, you know, ringtone, hello, would you like to be a 5th grade teacher. Uh I'll give it a shot. You know, that's the kind of <laughs> rhythm. And then I get into a car and just drive like a bat out of Sweden and go to uh some elementary school, and show up, they give me a name tag, and I'm in the class. And and then there's this kind of um strange thing where the kids walk into class and they do this double take. Oh, are you the sub? And then there's sort of this <laughs> wonderful <laughs> joyous Depending on the kid, malevolent or, you know, sympathetic. <laughs> Some kids say, "Oh God!" One one boy, uh, Mr. Baker, I have two words for you: good luck. You know, so uh, a lot of self knowledge about how the class is going to is going to happen. But often the teachers next door would also come by and say, "Hi, I'm I'm just mm-hmm. I'm so and so. I teach math next door or something." know um, I, uh, this is kind of a rambunctious class you might want to make sure you put your thumb down on right away so they know or they'll 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 say that there are two kids in particular you might want to watch out for. So they, the the teachers uh, the neighboring teachers would um, watch out for me. And if the class really really fell apart um, there were there were a few times embarrassing horribly embarrassing times when the real teacher would have to come by Mm -hmm. And say, ladies and gentlemen, and give the speech, the terrifying speech, and, you know, lower the boom and all that. So the teachers were very helpful, actually. I mean, I don't think the the school district that I taught in should have done anything different. The fact is that there's an extreme need for substitute teachers because real teachers have, they have, I mean, there's teacher burnout, which you know about, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. But there's also sort of micro-burnout. You know, which is a, a Thursday, and you just can't face it, and you feel bad, and you're sick. Or there's training. There's just uh, there. There are always reasons why there have to be substitute teachers coming in in large numbers. So every state or many states have shortages. It's not a, a job that people want to do. Many people, but it is actually. I I'm to, was. It's. I mean, of course, I like being a writer, but being a writer, you do not feel needed in the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that I understand about teaching, why do teachers want to teach? It's because it's totally unpredictable. And you don't know what kids are going to say that next day and what they're going to find funny. what they <laughs> You just don't know. And, and, and so getting the call and saying, we need you for second grade. We need you for kindergarten, all ages that I would not have felt comfortable teaching. Um, that was the that was the excitement of it, the unpredictability. and I think more people should be become substitutes, certainly all of the fancy educational theorists who have simply gone up the ladder and become you know teachers and theorists of education, those people should actually work as a as a substitute teacher if they haven't because they will have fun sometimes they will be miserable other times, but they will come out of it humming a different
1: tune. We've almost reached the end of our time, so I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions. First, mm-hmm. what are three other books that you might recommend to our listeners if they've enjoyed Substitute or our conversation today?
0: Wow. Uh, well, the, I read, in high school, the book that kind of blew me away and that I thought was delightful was Up the Down Staircase by Bell Kaufman. A novel, but based on, and she was initially, I think, a substitute teacher, and then um, a, a, a non-substitute teacher. Uh, funny, charming, full of—it's a novel, but it's got so much of of the real texture of of big high school, a, a big urban high school. Um, so that's a that's a beautiful book that I that had a strong um, impression on me. Uh, while I was working on this book, I liked reading Nell Nodding's, um, philosophy of education, which is a completely, it pulls apart from up to down staircase, but it's a very thoughtful book on, on a sort of historical survey, but also a heartfelt kind of manifesto about what, what good teaching should be like. And she's written other books, Nell Nodding at Stanford, um, I remember reading the way it's supposed to be. That's Mm -hmm. an amazing book. There are tons of there're tons of good education books. There's only one that is seven hundred pages of what actually happens in the classroom. Which is why I think that that's what I have to offer. This is this is what actually goes on. Very little theory, very little in the way of recommendation. This is what kids say, this is how teachers react. This is what the school looks like. Live through this with me. This is an immersive experience I'm offering. It was immersive. It was life changing for me. Even though it was
1: was 28 days, it
0: was life changing. And I I really honestly feel that it's one of the better things I've done with my life.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your next project?
0: Uh, well, I'm always working on. So I've got a. I'm writing something about the Cold War. That's all I want to say about it. I, I, I find that if I talk about something before I get done with it, that the pressure of of wanting to be finished goes away. So I'm sort of secretive about what the next uh, the next thing is. Bizarrely enough, not that I think it's you know that it that it would be a bad thing for other people to know, but it just feel, I feel like a deflated balloon if I if I get into it because I start to get excited about the thing. And then I think, oh, I've already told it. I've already given it away.
1: So it's about the Cold War. Well, we look forward to finding out more about it in the coming months. And uh, I want to direct our listeners to your piece, the New York Times you mentioned earlier. Nicholson, uh, I want to thank you for being on our show today. I've really enjoyed it.
0: It's been my total pleasure. Thank you.